Welcome back to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast, everybody. I am Kyle Bird. I'm Matt Parmley. Um, and I just want to say right now, um, if anyone hears any explosions or uh, loud sounds in the background, uh, it very well is probably people outside lighting off a bunch of fireworks like goddamn maniacs. It is July 3rd, uh, but people have been doing this all day. And uh, no matter where I, no, I mean, they're loud enough, no matter where you go, what you do, you're just, you're, it's going to be there. I don't know if you guys live in areas that where people do this, but it's obnoxious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hate it actually. Mainly because my dogs go freaking ballistic. Yes. And it's like five days in a row of people like being stupid and setting off fireworks. I know. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's like, I, don't, it, it, I don't know why they they do it early and then they keep doing it for like the rest of the week. America. <laughs> uh, when you were kids, did you ever do like the smoke bombs and like the snakes and stuff? Because those were fun. Oh yeah, yeah. Did, yeah like, we did those all the time. We never those did stuff were... <laughs> like before or after the Fourth of July, though. Like. <laughs> Unless it was like those popper things or like snakes or something like that. Um, anyway, uh, we're joined by a special guest co-host um, who uh, is no stranger to this podcast, but uh, it's been away for a, uh, of, from the show for a couple of years. So we are going to welcome back our friend, author uh, John LeMay. Woo! Hooray! It's, it's good to be back. Um, like you said, I, I thought maybe I was shadow banned or something. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been. It's. I think it's probably. It's probably been a couple years. I know. I know we did a. Uh, we we did a lot of stuff like in the era of like COVID lockdown. It might. It yeah. might really be that long since you've been. Since you've I been. Think so, Bird yeah. said. Bird said he hates you, and that's why he, <laughs> <laughs> he hates everybody. That's fine. <laughs> that's true. I do hate everyone. Uh, in the interim, you've written like who even knows how infinity many infinity books. Books. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like around like fifty. I don't know how like many between now and then, but like uh, my count is close to fifty. Um, how? how? I don't. <laughs> it's just I have no life. I just stay inside all day and I write. That's it. Um. Uh. You had a fanzine that went for two years. <laughs> Yeah, three years, I think. Yeah, maybe. three years. It yeah. must be three years. Our our friend who's also on the show a lot, Trevor, he contributed a lot to it. Uh, yeah. I, I, I helped you with a lot of stuff. Um, the, uh, the um, 
there's a new version of uh, Kong Unmade out that I pretty much did a re-edit of from like the ground up. And uh, there's a whole bunch extra stuff that wasn't in the first edition. You're on like edition number three or four or twelve or something yeah, of three, the edition three yeah. <laughs> of the lost films, the and, Japanese, the yeah, Kai, lost and, and Bird films. Bird has already picked apart my new book, Lost <laughs> Films of the Lost World, so I'll have to redo it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I think there was only like three things. That's not too bad. Okay, John, tell us about your novel. <laughs> yeah, so it's not really you know giant monster related, but there's a human-sized monster. I've got a skinwalker in it. It's uh, called Once Upon a Time in Fort Sumner, where an elderly Billy the Kid has to square off against uh, a skinwalker. So I, I think that's enough of a plug, because you know, it's got to be monsters. So that's, yeah. that's the only monster I got. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, you've, you've, been, uh, you've been cranking it out. Um, well, uh, the 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 most recent book, um, uh, Lost Worlds, Unmade, oh, yeah. Lo- Lost Films of the Lost World, Lost Films of the Lost World. Yes, um, uh, we are uh, going to discuss a movie that uh, is covered in that book, um, of which uh, the the uh, you know the chapter about this film um, I uh, pulled a lot from. The chapter about about it in that book. Um, so uh, yeah, it's nice to have the person whose uh, stuff I, I plagiarized for this podcast to be be sitting with us. Yeah, and hopefully um, I can remember it. You you probably know it better than I do now. Well, luckily uh, I I did a lot of the heavy lifting, and um, you know uh, I've 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 provided notes for you <laughs> to to refresh your memory. Yeah. Um, so, uh, as anyone who uh, uh, has paid attention to the episode title should know, um, we're talking about Reptilicus. Finally, we're talking about Reptilicus. This is one that uh, I feel like most kaiju podcasts that that do focus on uh, things beyond Godzilla or go outside of the Japanese monster movies, I feel like this is like one that almost anyone else would have done by now (laughs) and it's one that i don't know why it took us this long to do because you know this is uh uh i mean only in the giant monster fan circles is this movie truly remembered but it's you know it it remains one that um people people talk about um so yeah i mean just like uh, last uh, few months, you know, Matt and I are knocking off a lot of uh, kind of like, wait, how have we not done that yet kind of things. Um, and today that brings us to Reptilicus, uh, a, uh, a Danish film. Um, I don't know that there's another uh, giant monster movie from Denmark um, after all these years. Um, so Reptilicus... Uh, it was released there in 1961, and it was released here in 1963. Um, the making of that movie is a whole fiasco, um, and uh, so let's get that out of the way first. Um, to kind of uh, trace the uh, the roots of Reptilicus back to the very beginning, um, we... Uh, actually need to talk about Godzilla. Um, 
and uh, a little movie called The Volcano Monsters, um, which was not made, if you don't know what I'm talking about. And it's probably because <laughs> that movie doesn't exist. Um, but The Volcano Monsters was uh, going to be an attempt to uh, make a new monster movie with footage from um, uh, uh, God- Godzilla Raids Again. So going back 19, into 1957, um, some of the producers of uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, you know, the American version of the 54 Godzilla, um, got the rights to Godzilla Raids again, and they wanted to Americanize it. Um, now, instead of doing what they'd done with the previous movie of, uh, you know, getting uh, an American star and American actors to um, interweave into the the original Japanese version, they were just going to take the monster footage and make a, an all-new movie. Uh, all-new story with an American cast. Um, and uh, that, that is where, um, believe it or not, you can trace back a lot of Reptilicus. Um, so, uh, John, as you've covered in your book, I mean, I- I- explain, to, explain what I even mean by that. Yeah, so um, I'm afraid to say I've never said his name, but uh, Ib Melchior is that how we say it? Uh, Melchior. Melchior, thank you. Yeah, so and, and the first name was Ib, right? I B. Yep, Ib. Ib Melchior. Mel. What was it again? Melchior. Ib Melchior. Okay, so he and uh, and then there was the other guy who helped write uh, Godzilla Ride Raids again. What was his name? Uh, Ed Watson is the other writer's name. Okay, yeah, so those two, uh, when they were uh, instructed to adapt all the Godzilla Raids Again footage into the Volcano Monsters, the basic story pitch was that they find these two monsters in a state of perfect preservation within a, a volcano. Uh, it's the, the U.S. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> the U.S. military is who finds them. They put them on, to, on a naval destroyer transport them across the Pacific Ocean to San Francisco. And then the monsters were supposed to obviously wake up. Then they would, uh, you know, go through San Francisco and specifically through Chinatown. That was their angle for, you know, the Japanese writing, even though it would be Japanese and not Chinese, they were just going to be like, well, it's Chinatown. And that's that. Didn't think anybody would probably know the difference between, you know, maybe Japanese lettering and architecture and, and Chinese, but, that was their idea, and uh, how it ties into Reptilicus is the quote-unquote people parts. The people parts of the volcano monsters were pretty similar to Reptilicus in that you have an elderly scientist with a young, attractive female assistant. Her name is Marge, who falls in love with the military guy. Very standard stuff, but uh, it's just very similar to Reptilicus in that the elderly scientist has a heart attack at one point, which happens in Reptilicus. Uh, the female scientist, I think, is one of the ones who develops a weapon against the monster, and you know they've got it. The monster is advancing on their lab as they're trying to make the uh, the whatever it is to kill it, and that's you know it's all stuff that got recycled for Reptilicus. And uh, before we change topics, there was one other uh, unmade movie that influenced Reptilicus called The Micro Men. And I think it's really cool because it sounds a lot like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And uh, do you guys know when Invasion of the Body Snatchers was written? Because I don't. 
Um, well, it was based on a book. Do you mean like when the book was written or when the, oh, the, the movie I didn't was know written? That. Well, I guess either one in this case. Um, I can find out. Um, well, the first um, movie was 1956. Okay. Okay, well, that answers it. So this, this script was from 1958, The Microman. And it, it's, yeah, it seems to be a, a riff on Invasion of the Body Snatchers because it's about finding this ancient meteor buried underground and they dig it up at the beginning of the movie. Um, and then they have these little viral spores in the meteorite that basically do the same invasion of the body snatcher thing. But so basically Mel, uh, Melchior, uh, he liked his opening from the Micromen where they find the meteor. So he just thought, okay, they're going to find this dinosaur tail and it will regenerate. And then he just regurgitated lots of elements of the volcano monsters and according to to him, AIP, you know, American International Pictures, they just pitched a monster movie where the monster showed up out of nowhere, attacks a city, and that was their idea, which was, you know, like everything else. And so that's why he had the idea for the regenerative process to make it interesting. Um, I think uh, Volcano Monsters also had, like, a part where they're, like, it see, like, uh, doing, like, depth charges, wasn't there? Yes, that's, yeah, that's right. also that's also in Reptilicus, and and they both end with like a kind of like cliffhanger Teaser. kind of yeah, thing. That's, yeah, yeah. Volcano Monsters has another hand uh, come out of the volcano or another claw, and Reptilicus ends on the the dismembered claw at the bottom of the sea. So yeah, that is another element, right? Mm. Um, <clears throat> we we talked about the new suits that Toho made, or, you know, basically that were made for Godzilla and Angerus, that parts uh, were going to be reused and shot. Um, they're not reused, but new footage made uh, that basically couldn't, because we didn't have enough Japanese footage, but they were shipped to America and they actually got lost. And this is crazy because during the, the filming of Invasion of Saucerman, Bob Burns found a crate with Japanese lettering on it and had the studio name on it. And he saw both monster suits. And then basically after that happened, their fate since then is, is unknown, um, <laughs> which is, I don't, that's just wild. Um, <laughs> Super 7, uh, so Super 7, who licensed a bunch of toys, uh, they have a ton of new Godzilla merchandise. They actually just released a figure of the Volcano Monsters. And I also know um, uh, Marmot has a 1957-58 Godzilla Volcano Monster suit, basically, from that promotional footage, or yeah, photo, yeah. I should say. Um, so yeah, they, they were going to make new footage with those suits. Um, and they just like, I don't know. They just got lost to time, <laughs> I guess. Well, I mean like the, so, so a B P T pictures based. So they were going to produce the movie and they shut down before the film could even begin production. And then obviously the producers reworked Godzilla raids again as gigantic fire monster and then sold it off to, Warner Brothers, which are Warner Brothers doing great right now, guys. I just wanted uh, they're to- <laughs> all over the place right now. Um, but yeah, the it's also uh, interesting that um, even though the the footage as well as the new suits that would uh, would have been in like these new monster scenes um, in the volcano monsters, uh, Godzilla is just. It's not Godzilla. It's a T Rex. Like a, di- a yeah, Angurus yeah. is referred to as an Ankylosaurus. 
So, like, they're not referred to as, you know, Godzilla and Anguirus. They're referred to as a T-Rex and an Ankylosaurus, which, if that movie did happen, how weird would that have been, especially now? I mean, back then, there were only two Godzilla movies. Godzilla wasn't this giant, you know, global icon, like, icon of a franchise. Like, it, going back, if, if it were to happen, like, now in 2023, we would look at that as such a, like, weird thing that even happened but yeah because it was going to be a female t-rex that was going to lay eggs kind of like the american godzilla yeah yeah um yeah so it's like we literally all would have had in in addition to like the nearly 40 godzilla movies we have now we also would have had this weird american thing that is a godzilla movie that isn't a godzilla movie yeah it would have been really, really bizarre. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's weird. After Bob Burns ran into those suits during Saucerman, uh, they I, no one knows where they are. There's a weird photo of that Godzilla suit hanging out with the Phantom of the Opera. No one, <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know anyone that knows where that photo came from. Um, John has some reason to believe it was taken at Universal Studios at some point <laughs> in and time. I, I don't know. I don't know anymore now why I thought that, but yeah, at one point <laughs> that was said by me. Uh, somebody just stole those suits. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, like I, yeah. I, someone. Yeah, it's crazy to. To th- I mean, I doubt they, who, wherever they wound up, I doubt they were taken care of properly and have probably been, you know, haven't existed in decades. But uh, that's just going to be one of life's great mysteries, I guess. Um, so anyway, let's, uh, let's fast forward into 1959, um, as, which is where we get Reptilicus as we know it. Uh, uh, starts to grow, no pun intended. Um, so, uh, in 1959, AIP released The Angry Red Planet, um, which was written and directed by uh, Ib Melchior and produced by Sid Pink, a guy named Sid Pink. Um, uh, it, was a, it was a successful movie for AIP, so they signed them on to more films. Uh, one of those would be Reptilicus. They said that they wanted to make a giant monster movie, um, and, uh, it was decided, um, uh, you know, Melchior, uh, uh, had, um, uh, and Pink had connections to the, the film industry in Denmark. And so it was decided that it would be a co-production with, um, the Danish studio Saga. Um, Matt, I just realized I'm reading, uh, a part that was meant for you. No, it's, <laughs> it's fine. You're good. Just keep going. You're fine. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> So, uh, Melchior wrote, uh, uh, a new story that, uh, like John said, would combine issues, uh, uh, um, story, story points from Volcano Monsters and other, other, un- uh, uh, projects like the Micromen. Um, and, uh, this is where it gets weird. Um, I don't really understand why they did this, but, the way they did it was there would be two versions of the movie made at the same time, one uh, for Danish audiences, one for American audiences. They would have the same cast, but different directors, and uh, um, they would be shot side by side. Uh, so, you know, one director would shoot the scene, next director would come in, change a camera angle up or whatever, direct the same scene again. 
um, in English. Um, uh, uh, Paul, uh, Paul Bang is the, or Bong maybe, is uh, the director of the Danish version. Uh, Melchior was originally going to direct the American version, uh, but for whatever reason, Sid Pink uh, insisted on taking over the directing duties, which was uh, peeved Melchior quite a bit. Um, so he was more or less ousted out of directing, and then um, it becomes a Sid Pink production. Uh, Melchior is more or less iced out of the production. Um, uh, Pink changed the script up a little bit. Um, you know, he added the flying sequences. Um, um, and he had no experience directing. Uh, that caused a lot of tension on the set as well. Um, and then uh, the only casting difference between the two versions is the character of Connie. Um, in the Danish wo- version, she's played by a woman named uh, Bodil Miller, um, who's a brunette. In the American cut, she's played by uh, Marla Behrens, who is uh, a blonde, um, because Miller could not really speak very good English, Um and uh, it's just wild that that's how they decided to make this movie because, I mean, at this point, movies had been dubbed. And, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, they could have just done what the Italians were doing of just shooting it more or less without, without a dialogue track and then having people um, dub them over in different languages. I, I have no idea why... They this they did this even for something as early as nineteen sixty like you know nineteen sixty that's strange. Um, uh, the movie also uh, has a supporting actor, uh, uh, Dirk Passer, who um, plays the the handyman or the groundskeeper, the maintenance guy, whatever he does. Um, the goofy character that if you've seen the movie, you know who I'm talking about. Who you know, puts his hand in the <laughs> aquarium of giant, or giant, <laughs> that'd be weird, uh, electric eels. He has a song in the Danish version, um, uh, but he was actually a really big star. Uh, he was a famous comedian, um, and, uh, you know, um, uh, that's something that, uh, you know, the they, um, they, they wanted to get him in because he was, he was such a famous comedian, um, it won, the movie had a working title of Dirk and the Dragon, which obviously, you know, isn't what it was called in either country. But that was to play up that casting. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, the movie came out in Denmark in February of 1961, where it was more or less critically slammed and laughed off screens in, in like, you know, uh, like the giant claw was, basically. Um so uh when when you start to get into distribution um things get even even <laughs> more convoluted and crazy That's you John <laughs> Oh okay uh, do you want me to read about uh how it uh how there was almost a German version too or uh, uh go n- uh, that wasn't in my notes but go for it what, what? Yeah, so there was almost yeah there was almost a German Reptilicus, and uh, so that would have made three versions total. And this is according to an article uh, on the actress uh, H- Henny, uh, gosh Henny Smirner, and it was entitled "Hen's Big Ambitions." And this was in the August 1960 issue of a, a magazine, I guess from 
Europe, so it was current news. And it said that she had to learn, relearn her role in three different languages. And she said that uh, that the Germans were unable to partake in the great work, as she called it. So apparently, yeah, they were thinking about also doing a German version. And the actor who played Sven, uh, uh, Medjing, he said that we did two versions, one in Danish and one in English. We also should have done a German version, but hmm. the Germans slipped out of it before shooting started. So apparently there was like another uh, production company involved that was German. So there's um, another one. So I almost had to watch this movie three times for this <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're saying pass <laughs> yeah oh yeah that would have been rough yeah yeah i did this a couple of years ago because i did an issue of movie milestones uh, i think it was 2021 and i i did finally watch the the original reptilicus versus the u.s version and i mean they're very different i think matt was the one who was the most traumatized by the differences <laughs> yeah we'll get there don't you worry okay um so, John, I, I I don't know if you have the outline I sent you pulled up, but if you look at it, you will, yeah yes. So, uh, yeah, we're we're you you have the orange text, my friend. Oh, okay. please yes. make that okay. the cold open. Yes, okay. that, I will. Yeah, <laughs> that means that means the, the text in the uh, okay. orange you read. So, okay, uh, I had no idea. Okay, so. <laughs> 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 I so just they were different pretty colors. No, so uh so yes, you you you're right there. Uh see uh yep, you're you are we are in the I'm reptilicus we're, yeah, page two, orange text. Go <laughs> go for it. There. Yeah, so what happened is uh Samuel Z. Arkoff, you know, the AIP co owner, uh he didn't like what he saw. Um, which is understandable if you've seen the <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, there was nothing he could do about that horrible prop, kind of like uh, the giant claw, you know. But he he did what he could with it. So uh, you know, he first of all he had the American cut completely redubbed uh, to do away with do away, excuse me, to do away with those thick uh, Danish accents. And even after that, they were still really unhappy, unimpressed with it. Uh, they just considered Sid Pink's version of the film totally unre- unreleasable. And for a little while there, they decided to shelve it. But uh, what happened was Pink revealed that he would sue AIP. And then apparently the two were suing and counter-suing each other for a few years. And like AIP sued Pink for not meeting the original contractual demands, like the due dates, etc. Then Pink sued AIP for shelving the film. Uh, as well as using his name without permission on the uh, Monarch Books novelization. And so what happened is Arkoff went to... Uh, oh, Mel- Melchior. Thank you. So, so Arkoff went to Melchior uh, in an attempt to salvage the film and re-edit it. So he removed uh, a lot of the Danish humor, you know, that, that would have just fallen flat with U.S. audiences, which was really wise. The song uh, is probably the biggest omission, which I guess yeah. it, it, at the time Danish movies had a lot of songs and stuff. it's the one yeah. thing I remember the most. For better yeah. or for worse. <laughs> yeah, it's kinda like with Bollywood movies, I guess. The movies from India where they just have songs. I guess that was a thing for them. But yes, yeah, so obviously that got the axe. Uh, a lot of the romance subplot got the axe. Um the flying sequences were taken out, which I think is a shame. I uh, they they're the only cool thing I think about the uh the Danish version. And then uh, he, 
uh, Melchior also redubbed at least six of the characters himself. And uh, to try and hide some of Reptilicus's uh, goofiness, you know, they cropped some of the shots, they slowed some of them down, reused others to fill in the voids. And, uh, yeah, and they cut out a few of the worst, you know, like giant monster shots. And uh, I guess to make up for them taking out the flying scene, which, again, I think is pretty cool, they just randomly decided to give uh, Reptilicus this really weird breath weapon, which I think is cool. Because if they just had him, like, breathe fire, that would be too typical. But they decided to have Reptilicus spew this green slime venom, kind of sort of like the Dilophosaurus in Jurassic Park. So I, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and whatever Pink's original version of the film, uh, it's never been released and is basically lost. And uh, before we move on, I just kind of wish someone would do this bizarre fan edit where we have both the flying scenes and the green slime and maybe the music just to make it really weird. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about this in a minute when we kind of like actually give our thoughts on the movie. But I, I think the problem with the American version in taking out the flying scene and reducing the, you know, the amount of shots of the monster they're using is like that monster is so goofy looking like there's no way to hide it and it's like it it doesn't work i mean you might as well like embrace that it's this stupid looking thing at that point because <laughs> you know it doesn't matter if uh you know it, whether they take out some of the more clumsy shots of the monster or not no one in the audience is gonna think that this is like a scary monster. I mean, it's going to get laughed at either way. Same with the flying sequences. The flying sequences are like, they're like giant claw level, like, funny. <laughs> not on purpose, but like, yeah. you know, taking, out, taking that out is not making Reptilicus himself scarier. Like, yeah. you might as well just leave it. Um... So anyway, that's Reptilicus uh, uh, behind the scenes. I mean, the general plot of the movie is more or less uh, about as you know as simple as giant monster movies get. You know, some um, some people, some miners are drilling and they drill into this object in the ground. They pull it up and they see that it's bleeding and it is um, the tail of this this monster. Um, and they take it to uh, the local aquarium to be studied by the scientists, and um, uh, you know they they freeze it. Um, and uh, one night, uh, and they they notice that it's regenerating the the where it got drilled uh, and hurt, and um, uh, you know so it's it's regenerating and it's growing. And then one day, some dumbass uh, leaves the freezer door open. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, the monster, uh, when the when the tail thaws out, the monster grows to full form, escapes, um, and uh, is uh, on the loose. Uh, giant monster on the loose in Copenhagen, and um, uh, uh, he's got what they say is uh, armor-plated scales, so they have no way to kill him with weapons. Um, and uh, if he does get injured, he's uh, regenerating. 
um, think of the Gargantuas or Shin Godzilla. He's he's regenerating. So if if you know a piece of him blows off, it could grow into another Reptilicus, and then um, so the military's hands are tied, and we uh, have to they have to make some kind of um, uh, coagulant to shoot into his mouth and put him to sleep. Um, and that's the plot. What what is interesting about that is um uh this was still very early in the lifespan of, you know, giant monster films. Um uh, this is 1960, so at this point there's still only two Godzilla movies in existence. Um you know, uh Mothra and Gorgo are right around the corner. Uh, Rodan is uh, Rodan is out. That's the fifties, and then you know there's some American films like uh, you know the Harryhausen and and O'Brien stuff. Um, but it's it is interesting to think how many times now we've seen that uh, uh, plot device of the monster that regenerates, or you know if a chunk of them gets blown off, will grow into another one. Like I said, you know, we have the, the Frankenstein Conquers the World War, the Gargantuas, um, Shin Godzilla, um, and even even the, you know, we can't do anything to him, so let's put him to sleep with a coagulant that the scientists make. That's also, you know, Shin Godzilla. So, um, you know, intentional or not, uh, this movie did kind of, um, uh, this is like a very primitive version of a lot of what we would come to see later yeah it's uh i don't i watched the the danish version of the film and so matt had you seen had you seen this movie before i'd seen no i i mean i saw like clips and i knew it was gonna be uh you know puppety and bad but i didn't I, I didn't think I realized there were two versions of the film and I had seen like the green slime, like in the trailers and stuff, but like, it was never something that I, I sought out to see. And thankfully, honestly, cause it's not great. Um, mm-hmm. it is, I think the, the, the behind the scenes stuff is far more interesting than the movie. Oh yeah. In the Danish version, there's like the scientist who's like trying to give his daughters away. Like, Everybody feels overtly oversexualized for some reason. The Danish uh, version, like <laughs> yeah, the Danish version yeah. has like uh, a lot more of uh, the like. I mean, there's like a Random. you know the 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 Danish version has a lot more of like oh these two characters are in love and we're gonna spend time with them being in love. Where the American version kind of just chucked all that in the trash, basically. Which was the right decision because it doesn't add anything to the story. All. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of nice to have a little bit like oh, like we're we're actually spending a little time with the characters, but like there's not enough there to make them interesting. So it is just like you know why even bother? And then you get the random musical till kiss till kiss yeah. whatever there. It's it's super catchy, and uh, unfortunately, if you hear it, you're gonna go to sleep and not be able to get it out of your head like uh-huh. I did that. <laughs> That was the worst. Um, I'm surprised you never saw this movie before. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think my my first thing for Reptilicus was uh, the Fantastic Dinosaurs of the Movies tape. I know John uh, had it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 I had it. Yeah. That was also, yeah, my exposure. Yeah, and, and you know, that was one where, you know, uh, the preview for that I'd seen a million times because of that yeah. tape. And then, I don't know, it probably wasn't until I was like a 
teenager where I was like really trying to actually watch all those movies. And, you know, when I got around to Reptilicus, um, I don't know. I mean, the, this is one that I, th- this has never been a favorite of mine, honestly. Um, uh, this was my first time watching the Danish version in full. Um, I had seen the, uh, the song and the flying scene and some other stuff, um, at, uh, G-Con 99, I believe, in New York, where, uh, the, the Reptilicus, the screenplay book that Kip Dotto wrote, they were there and, like, selling the book, and it was a big thing, and they showed those clips, and I was like, oh, that's kind of neat, there's, like, extra Reptilicus stuff out there, but it was never like, oh, I gotta go see, like, the Danish Reptilicus, it was just like, eh. So this is the first time I've actually sat down and watched it front to back, um, it's it's interesting. Uh, the Danish version has more of um, that kind of uh, humor with with uh, the maintenance man. Um, but overall, I I I, I was so kind of surprised just tonally how similar they were. Um, you know, I I'd heard a lot like, oh, you, you know, you got to give the Danish version a chance. Like it's, but it's really like not. Uh, the the differences aren't like I was expecting the Danish version to be as different from the American version as like King Kong versus Godzilla's Japanese version to the American version where like okay the Americans cut out all the humor and like they you know they didn't get that this was like a weird uh, comedy or something like that but uh, aside from a few of those extra scenes uh, they're really the same. <laughs> Yeah, and I, yeah, I think I a, guess. Oh no, sorry. Go ahead. No, go go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. I guess I'm the only one who was lucky enough to actually see it as a child. And I mean, I think even as a kid, I got a little bored with it at times. But uh, I think I, I liked the Reptilicus design, even if the puppet wasn't very realistic. So I think I enjoyed it fairly well. You know, because again, I think I was like eight or nine, so which is about the right age. So I. I probably have slightly fonder memories of it, but it's not a movie that I willingly watch today unless it's for a book or this podcast or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, there there are... I know people that, like, really love this movie, but, um, yeah, it was just never a favorite for me. Um, it was always one that... It's weird because for as many, um, like, new ideas that it brought into the genre the the regeneration um you know the multiplying monster concept stuff like that um it really is very much like it it it, it feels very much like a xerox copy of other things that you've seen it it doesn't it feels like something that um it it I don't know. There's something about it that lacks uh, in in the story. I mean, that that just it, it it's not able to make up for what it lacks with, you know, uh, its character and plotting um, by with those original ideas. And I think the fact that we've seen them done so many times later in a kind of better way um, is probably why it. You know, it doesn't have too much of an effect. I, the highlight of the movie, for better and worse, is Reptilicus himself. Um, and it's like, you know, you like Reptilicus the same way you like the giant claw. He's charming, yeah. but 
not the way that they meant him to be, <laughs> you know, you want to yeah. watch Reptilicus, but not, not the way that I think they really want you to. <laughs> yeah. I would have loved to have seen Reptilicus versus the giant claw. I'd oh, watch I'd watch now. the hell out of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the prop, like there's some, I, I give the movie credit for the monster sequences that do they they are not well executed, but there is this weird indefinite charm that I think they have. Um, and so, like watching the movie, it it wasn't like a total waste. I actually think the bigger distraction was like the the odd bridge of like these comedic moments with the love interest stuff back to this like overly serious attack on the monster. Also, my favorite uh, part of the movie, not favorite, but like the funniest part of the movie made me laugh was like they have these tanks and the one guy says, you know what? Let's drive the tank as close as possible to use a flamethrower instead. <laughs> I'm yeah. dying laughing at that. Um, oh, we got to talk about the guy on the the guy on the bridge. Uh, oh, <laughs> Yeah, the so yeah, the the there's a scene which if if you've seen the movie you you know and even if you've seen the trailer Yeah, it's in the trailer big time. Yeah, yeah. Um there's a uh the the guy operating this bridge, I don't know what he's doing, but he's like I don't know, he's panicking cuz Reptilicus is attacking the city and he he like lifts the bridge up as like people are trying to run across it, you know, to evacuate and then like he, he and then he just kind of like stands there and like goes and like cries about nice. it <laughs> instead of lowering it back down um and and so yeah you have these scene, all these these scenes that are goofy of uh you know all these extras running across this bridge that is separating and like instead of just not for whatever reason they keep riding their bikes and and running off this bridge when i don't know why I feel like if that were to happen in real life, everyone would just stop and be like, oh, you know, like I, they, well, they, so yeah. <laughs> there's a trivia piece. I'm just going to insert it now because I think it's relevant. But like that was a thousand extras that were used in that one particular scene. And they included members of what's called the bicycle club. And they basically agreed to ride into the water. So they these weren't like stunt people. They were just jumping off the bridge. And that was probably was really fun. Kind of surprised. Yeah, from like, like an this. insurance, uh, you know, uh, safety uh, perspective, that was probably a poor idea. But <laughs> but that was probably really fun to ride ride your bike uh, off a bridge. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I I, th- I guess my thing is like uh, so much of the movie is the military planning stuff, and it's just uh, it, it, it's very dry stuff. I I actually like the more uh, the scenes that are you know more um, humorous or more meant to be funny, um, but they they kind of get quickly taken over by the the all the military scenes, which are yeah, like like you said, Matt, like they're kind of too serious and. Um, you know, I mean, the dialogue is bad, but it's not like, it's not, it's not even like unintentionally funnily bad. Like the giant claw is full of goofy ass dialogue, um, that is played completely straight, but this is just kind of, I don't know, very standard, uh, you know, military versus scientists kind of bickering and, and, you know, it's stuff that doesn't really engage 
anyone, I don't think. Uh. I will say, you know, I mean, we're laughing at the Reptilicus puppet, and uh, the sca- his scale is all messed up in comparison to some of the miniatures. Um, the miniatures themselves seem fairly well-crafted, even if they're not filmed uh, particularly well or from the most flattering angles but just as far as detail and goes go i mean stuff goes i mean that's you know i mean it's stuff that's as good as a lot of stuff that was coming out around this time um but yeah i i don't know what they were thinking with that monster puppet and uh uh just what were i don't know what they were thinking a lot of the time (laughs) um and, oh, yeah, Tivoli Nights, uh, uh, the whole travelogue sequence um, yeah. uh, is, it, it, both versions have that sequence. I, w- I was surprised how much of it was in the... I, I believe so, yeah, because I, 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 I remember Tivoli Nights, I feel like, was in the U.S. version, unless I'm just experiencing the... Oh, it, it was. Effect. Yeah, okay. yeah, it was. Um, but there's that whole travelogue sequence where the movie almost turns into like a mini... Um, advertisement for uh tourism in denmark um i was surprised that the the danish version still had a lot of that because like you know the danish version for danish audiences it's weird that it stops to be like oh look at all this famous stuff we have where like the american version i could get I, i could understand it where it's like oh hey come visit denmark hey americans this is probably the first time you've ever seen denmark here's what it it's like uh, the American version does add on uh, a little thick, though, um, dialogue of uh, of one of the one of the characters, like over the different shots of like the different landmarks, and he's like, "Oh, here's this. Oh, look at that thing. Isn't it beautiful?" And it's like, "Okay, we get it. You guys want us to go over there? I I get it." Um. But yeah, I uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's a they tried. <laughs> That, that's that's like the best I I can tell that they tried and uh, you know that that's that's the best thing I can say I guess is like look you guys tried it was a sincere yeah. attempt yeah that attempt was made <laughs> uh, uh, what's a good rating for this how many uh, blown off I don't know arms how many dirches. <laughs> uh, yeah, how many dirches? Name Dirch. Uh, I don't know if it's Dirch or Dirk. I got I get tripped up with uh, European spellings I, sometimes. I, I, I feel like it was. I mean, not not that I'm right. I'm wrong quite a bit, but yeah, I have Dirch. So well, we'll go. We'll we'll go with that. Um, you're you're the guest of honor, so we we can Thank we you. can we can say Dirch. Um, yeah. How how many? How many? Uh, okay. Wh- wait. Hold on. <laughs> I got to ask a question. I yeah. don't know the answer to this. Uh, I never did, and I still don't, even after watching this goddamn movie twice in the last two weeks. Um, when he puts his hand in the electric eel tank, is he actually getting shocked, or is he pretending to be shocked? In real life or for the movie? <laughs> it, I mean, for the movie. I don't think they shocked a guy. <laughs> that would be, I don't know. That's, that would have been hilarious. Uh, I thought he was getting shocked. And, but may, I mean, like this, it wouldn't put it past me that that was supposed to be some bit that we just don't understand. Yeah, but. I still don't get it. If anyone knows, <laughs> email us. 
Um, okay, so I, uh, like I said, I mean, I've seen the, I mean, it's not like this is a movie I've seen a whole lot. I've maybe seen it before this, maybe two times in full, maybe. Yeah, I would say probably twice in my life before this. Um, and it's be- the reason it is because it's just, you know, it's never been a favorite. Um, uh, I find the behind the scenes stuff really fascinating. Um, and I am stupid enough that if like, Shout Factory or like Vinegar Syndrome or something was like, oh, here we got the ultimate re- edition Reptilicus. It's got both versions of the movie and a commentary. No, I, I'm I'm I dumb would. enough that I would probably get it. <laughs> uh, what's wrong with both of you? <laughs> I we have problems, um, but it, it's never it's been like a favorite. OCD thing. Yeah. Uh, it's it's never been a favorite for me, um, and. Uh, it's, uh, I, I don't know, I just find it a little dry whenever Reptilicus himself isn't around. Um, uh, the characters are dry, the plotting is super, uh, just kind of typical monster movie stuff, and there's not enough in there to really elevate it above that. Um, so, I am going to go ahead, um, I mean, it does have its charm, and uh, it, it has that comfort food um quality to it that almost any monster movie of this era kind of kind of brings um but uh i'm gonna go ahead and go with a a two and a half um for me i mean uh, i don't i can't imagine when the next time i will watch this movie in my life will be um oh the uh well i guess i you know i forgot the mystery science theater version which i did watch also um and I am a Mystery Science Theater fan, even the newer stuff, but that episode wasn't even one of their best uh, uh, episodes. So, uh, yeah, I'm at a two and a half. Man, uh, I did not enjoy it that much. Like, the things that, are, that I liked about it were some of the monster stuff, and I got a kick out of some of the more comedic bits. But it was a slog for me, and... Uh, I'm at a one and a half. I will not, not buy this, and I will probably go to bed singing that stupid song again in my head. So, yeah. I'll give it two and three quarter dirches out of five. <laughs> <laughs> just the other quarter is just for childhood nostalgia. Nostalgia. That's fair. That's fair. I can I can get on board with that. Yeah, I I saw it young enough where I could have developed, I guess, a more nostalgic attachment to it, but. Like I said, it just is. It's not really a movie that ever really did it for me. Um, so we'll get into some trivia. And uh, Reptilicus him, himself had a very strange uh, life cycle <laughs> after this movie. Um, so uh, uh, we mentioned all the military stuff. One thing about Reptilicus that it does have an edge on. Um, is uh it it did get um uh military assistance uh the founder of saga studios um fleming john olson uh he was a member of denmark's majority uh uh 
um, political party, which is the Social Democratic Party at the time, um, and he got uh, a lot of uh, Danish military resources. So that's why, um, you know, if you look at a lot of other monster movies from this time, um, I mean, even some of the more high-end stuff, like the Harryhausen stuff, you know, you do get a lot of stock footage of planes and stuff. Um, and that's why this movie is... Uh, 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 doesn't really have that much of it because um, you know they they had the resources to make those scenes um, uh, unique and not rely on you know grainy stock footage. Um, <laughs> we mentioned earlier the the novelization from Monarch Books, uh, um, uh, who also released novelizations of both Conga and Gorgo. Um, Reptilicus was written by Dean Owens, who also wrote the Conga novel. Um, all three of those novels, though, are weird in that uh, they are infused with numerous sex scenes. Um, the novel uh, opens with uh, uh, the character Sven having sex with his foreman's wife, which never <laughs> happens in the movie. Um, uh, so yeah, the the novels are like for all three of those movies are like weirdly horny. Um, uh, and, uh, uh, um, I actually have like a little excerpt from it, uh, that I will read to you. <clears throat> uh, I'm assuming this is after the depth chart. Yeah, this is after the depth charge sequence. Um, and this is just how like weird this, I don't know why no sane author would just say this like after a scene like that. Um, but uh, it says, Reptilicus, the gargantuan prehistoric monster, crouched on the ocean bottom, ready to take off on another destructive rampage. A depth charge thundered. One of the beast's legs ripped from the body and was blown out of the sea. General Grayson looked at the girl beside him, wondering if he would live to see Connie's warm, vibrant flesh again. Svend Alsrup, his aide, was remembering Karen's wanton seduction of him and hoping for a repeat performance. Um, I I don't know, people. <laughs> I, that's what I would be thinking if I was near death, though. I don't think it's that far-fetched. <laughs> um, that was, the transition from the monster to... <laughs> was, yeah. Sid Pink himself was uh, not very thrilled with the book. Uh, there, there's a quote... Uh, from him about the uh, the about that particular element of the novelization, and he said, "I told him it was absolutely the dumbest thing I ever saw in my life to make a sex story out of a children's picture." <laughs> um, uh, some there's some uh, other interesting things in the novel. The novel explains uh, what happens after Reptilicus is knocked out, um, so it doesn't end with him getting killed. You know, he's knocked out by this. Uh, this bioweapon that they shoot at him. Um, and uh, so this says after, after that, once he's like tranquilized, um, his armored scales that I mentioned uh, earlier are removed, and then he is incinerated with flamethrowers. Uh, that, that's just a horrible way to go out. Um, anyway, uh, Pink was pissed off about that which is part of one of the one of the multiple lawsuits with aip you know he claimed uh uh well they didn't have his permission to use uh his name on the book and then he he also said um uh the book's uh sexual references uh had subjected him to politic uh, uh public contempt and ridicule so um he was not happy um mm. 
Now, uh, to talk about comic books, um, uh, Reptilicus, uh, like Conga and Gorgo, they're sometimes referred to as the Charlton Three or things like that <laughs> because uh, not only did all three of them have that Monarch Books uh, novelization, but they also had three comic book adaptations by Charlton Comics. Um, uh, John, would you care to tell us a little bit about the comic books? I was going to say, don't worry, this time I saw the orange writing. So, <laughs> no, so all three are fairly similar. I mean, Gorgo, Conga, Reptilicus. The first issue basically always just retold the movie in comic form. Then the second story would always launch off with like uh, a sequel story. So the second one has a, the second issue has a new Reptilicus, uh, I think, regenerated over in Africa. And then after that, uh, and it didn't take long, apparently it was just literally after the second issue, they retitled it Reptosaurus the Terrible, I presume, due to rights issues and stuff like that. And they kind of made him more generic, they redesigned him, uh, retconned his origin, you know, where he was, you know, regrown from a tail. Now he's just your typical giant monster that got awoken by the atomic bomb testing. And uh, the only thing that's kind of cool is that they did kind of like a minor crossover. But what's disappointing is it's a big missed opportunity because it's it's really not a crossover so much as like a cameo where Reptosaurus, you can see him like flying in the background of like one of the Gorgo issues. And I think there's like an alien invasion, right? Yeah. Reptosaurus is helping out. That's about it. But it could have been a lot. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's weird that they they didn't play that up more, but yeah, the, the, I've seen those panels of the one of the Gorgo comics where there's a big alien invasion, and all kinds of spaceships and monsters and stuff, and you can see Reptosaurus in the background, like fighting a spaceship or something. Um, so uh, uh, that's kind of interesting. Um, you know, uh, John, we, you were talking about um, the, the 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 change in the retcon from Reptilicus into Reptosaurus. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 that's something that I couldn't find a straight answer on. A lot of people, a lot of sources have said it's a rights thing, but um, as far as I, I couldn't find any, like, concrete proof of that. And then uh, I was reading um, uh, an article by Stephen Bissett, uh, who's, you know, a, 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 an artist, but also, you know, a film historian. Um, and his theory was... Um, uh, be, the, because Pink never knew about the comic book, and he did know about the novelization, um, which is why you know that was one of those lawsuits. Um, but uh, the 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 theory that I think because Pink didn't even know about the comic, I think um, uh, so he didn't know AIP even licensed a comic. So I, I think the more likely theory that I've seen is that um, Charlton had actually probably got wind of the lawsuits between pink and aip and that some of it had st something to do with the monarch books thing and just wanted to play it safe um and so they they kind of just made their own decision to press the reset button and be like okay it's reptosaurus now and he looks different and he's got a new origin and and stuff like that um because it, it, i see i've seen some places say the rights expired but like that's weird because that wouldn't happen after two issues, and yeah. you you know. So I don't know. I I think that actually 
makes it makes sense that they would be like, oh well, you know, that this monarch books are already in trouble with this guy. Uh, let's just play it safe and let, but you know, let's keep the comic running, more or less. Um. But uh, anyway, in 2001, Sin Pink uh, actually tried to make a new Reptilicus film. Um, it's unclear. I don't even know if he got far enough in any kind of planning to even make the decision on whether it would be a sequel or a remake. Um, but uh, he was going to partner with uh, the Sam Sherman, who's a... If you know B-movies and B-movie history, um, Sam Sherman uh, is the guy that um, uh, uh, produced most of Al Adamson's movies. Um, and they hired a guy named Gary Dohanish, I think is his name, if I'm saying it right, to create a CG Reptilicus model and some some little animations. But uh, that movie was never made. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> well, you definitely want to talk about the adaptation that did get made. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're not at the end of the road yet, people. Um, so in in 2009... There was a Reptosaurus movie um, directed by Chris Olin Ray, um, who's gone on to be like an Asylum and Sci-Fi Channel movie regular. Um, he's the son of Fred Olin Ray, who's another famous B-movie director who has been making movies for decades. But um, uh, yeah, Reptosaurus, wow. Um, uh, so I, I mean, I have rarely done this. There's maybe two or three times in the history of this podcast where I've done this just to give you guys an idea of how the sausage is made behind the scenes here at Kaiju Transmissions. Matt and I will pick like a topic and then, you know, our next discussion is like, okay, here's what we need to watch to do this episode. And I was like, okay, well, if we're going to do Reptilicus, we should do two, the two versions of Reptilicus we'll talk about. And then there's also Reptosaurus and, you know, um, I don't know. I got uh, my life is slightly less chaotic than Matt, so I got the kind of head start in my viewing, and I watched Reptosaurus, and I was just like, Matt, it just <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I can talk about Reptosaurus. This doesn't need to be talked about for more than a few minutes. I just don't. Life is precious, you know. <laughs> Let me handle this. This is only like this. It's only happened a few times where I've been like, you know, Matt, just. Don't even bother with this. Um, Bird and I like a lot I... of really cheap, <laughs> like, Z-grade movies with, like, a crappy CG monster terrorizing people in, like, a, a one location. But this is, like, this is, like, almost the worst version of that. Um, uh, and I've liked some of the later movies that Christopher Olin Ray has made for The Asylum. Like, he did a couple of the Mega Sharks that I think are really fun. Um, but this is his first movie also, and... I mean, I, this, I, I honestly, this feels like even an Asylum movie, like this feels like half the budget of an Asylum movie, practically. Um, it's more or less, um, there's a group of friends who, I can't remember if they get shipwrecked or if a plane crashes or something on this island that turned out to be like a research facility where this, uh, this winged uh, giant flying lizard monster was uh, uh, genetically engineered and now that monster is on the loose and there's um, some uh, some like army guys or some mercenaries or whatever um, they're already on there they're already there trying to kill the monster and then this group of friends that I think the movie wants us to think they're like in like college age but everyone's like 
30, 40 years old. Um, like, because, like, the characters are like, oh, yeah, like, we were on spring break partying, and it's like, these people are, like, too old to be partying on spring yeah. break. Um, one of the main guys, though, is an actor named Gerald Webb. I mean, I'm not going to pretend he's, like, a great actor or anything, but he's an Asylum regular, so at least there was, like, oh, it's this guy. I kind of like this guy, you know? <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those movies where most of the time is spent kind of just walking around and people arguing and, um, the, you know, the actual Reptosaurus creature was, I think, like, it's a, it's a, I think it's a fairly stock kind of public domain CG model, or I don't know about public domain, but it's, it's one of those ones that you can get in like a software package. And, and, um, I mean, the, the scenes of it killing people are pretty funny. Like I sent Matt one of the funnier ones and, um, (laughs) So, I mean, you can, but yeah, you can go on YouTube and watch, like, just, like, the, the kill scenes, and, like, I, I did that's all that, you need. and it was pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. That was, that's yeah, all so you need. To my notes, this, the model, it was a 3D model by Daz 3D called the Wyvern 2.0, and it says you could buy it for literally fourteen ninety five or $15. <laughs> that's what I have. So, there you go, people. Yeah. You guys can go and make your own Reptosaurus movie, yeah, uh, and uh, it'll probably be very <laughs> similar to this. Um, uh, but yeah, and I mean, uh, even even like the trailer for Reptosaurus says, like, based on the classic comic book, they're using the word classic very loosely, because even in Charlton Comics, like, fandom, the Reptilicus and Reptosaurus comics are like not thought of very highly. Um, but they're like, based on the comic book, you know, and it's like, I mean, I told you guys the plot description and like, that has like fuck all to do with any of that. <laughs> it doesn't follow the Reptilicus origin or the retconned Reptosaurus origin. Um, so I don't know. It's one of those things where, uh, like the Charlton comic Reptosaurus is in public domain. So it's not like something where they had to pay rights to. It's just, it's more baffling that someone was like, you know, let's, let's, like, thought that this was a name that they could, like, attract viewers with. Because, like, only idiots like us know what Reptosaurus is. Yeah. And it um, But, yeah, Reptosaurus, uh, I got some mild entertainment out of the monster stuff, but there's not much else there. Um, so I'm going to give Reptosaurus a one out of five. Um, John, you are... Th- yeah, yeah, one out of five. Well. You're at a one? Yeah. Uh well, I don't know. I'm between a half and a one, but... Uh, I, I would agree with that, too. I, I really did. You know what? I'm going to go down. I'm going to go to a half. Um, it, it's it's a little better than something like Conga TNT. Yeah. Um, you know... It's a low, that's a great... That's a high standard. In the yeah, time, so. right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's Reptosaurus, people. Uh, it's not good. Um, but, I mean, Reptilicus is a masterpiece, comparatively. So. Yeah. And that is the very sad uh, note that uh, um, that that is where our journey ends, people. Um, Reptilicus has had a very odd uh, journey from where it is to getting us to a, a Reptosaurus in name only movie. Um, anyway. History. That's that's just weird kaiju history, I guess. Um, uh, and that's probably the end of the line. I can't imagine anyone ever going back to this. <laughs> yeah. No. Past. 
Um, so yeah, you know, uh, Reptilicus, probably not going to get into the monster verse. Yeah, I was just, that's so weird, Kyle, because I was just thinking that I was like, yeah, unless Monsterverse loses rights to Godzilla and Kong, then they'll grab, like, Reptilicus and Gorgo, and yeah. I was just um, thinking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, no. I mean, they could add Reptosaurus for free, but I... Yeah. <laughs> but who cares? Not, yeah. <laughs> $14.99. Yeah. Yeah, Legendary, for fourteen ninety nine. you can add Reptosaurus <laughs> to the Monsterverse. There you go. <laughs> um... All right, uh, that's all we have on uh, uh, Reptilicus. Um, anything that uh, uh, any anything we we you guys want to add uh, before we get on with our lives? I'll just say like what Matt said: the history of the movie is more fascinating than the movie itself. And, you know, yeah, you can read about it in uh, Lost Films of the Lost World. So. Yeah, no, so you could almost make like. A movie about the making of the movie. <laughs> that, it would be way more entertaining. Yeah. It would, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, people. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess if I don't know, Reptilicus is not something that you need to rush out and watch, but uh, there is a, a, a legal and licensed uh, stream of it on U- YouTube movies that is actually uh, like a HD quality and looks pretty good. So, you know, if you're curious. You can check it out there. Um, if you're curious about Reptosaurus, uh, that is on Tubi, and uh, but also just you know you don't need to do that. M1 made a uh, pretty killer figure, which is probably the best thing to come out of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I would. Buy yeah, that. no that that that, that is, is a really like if I was a toy guy, like that might be one that I would like want. It is a really cool uh, toy. Um, and uh, yeah, those that was done in partnership with Club Daikaiju. Um, uh, I can't remember what came first, but they did a few of them. Um, the they they also did uh, 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 one with Club Daikaiju for the uh, the Bat Rat Spider from Angry Red Planet. Yeah, have you seen that one, Matt? Yeah, it's pretty sweet. That's a cool toy too. Um, and then uh, and then the the other one they did after that was Gorgo. Um, so they they got out of the Melchior pink movies, but uh, the Bat Rat Spider. I mean, the Gorgo's nice too, but the Reptilicus and the Bat Rat Spider, those are cool. Um, uh, they said, uh, I know they said they were they at one point also they had it sculpted and everything. They wanted to do the giant amoeba from Angry Red Planet, but uh, they decided to do Gorgo instead, which is probably for the best. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, Nice reminder there, Matt, because um, there's definitely people listening that would probably want to go look that up. Um, it is a cool toy. I've seen it uh, at G-Fest and stuff, and it's always expensive. And I'm like, well, someone who collects and is willing to pay that much for that can have it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, well, that's Reptilicus, folks. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time.
Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.